Someone once asked me, what would I do if I knew I could not fail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, it's a, it's a loaded question because it's really asking you, uh, what's holding you back? You know, what fears um, are stopping you from doing what you'd love to do? When I consider that the Earth is 4.54 billion years old, scientists say, and we homo sapiens have been upon this planet for 250 million years. And I know I've repeated this before in other podcasts, but if the Earth was considered to have been here for just one year, Chris, we've been here for 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. 12 friggin' minutes. We want to take ourselves so seriously in the perspective of time. So many women are just great at being loved. It's, it's like they're... Their, their instinct, it's, it's, it's who they are. That's why they nurture and they, they care. Which, by the way, is also why they've got a role in business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they can be the definitive team builders. Mm-hmm. They can be the connectors, mm-hmm. provided we don't ask them to play the male egotistical creator of empires. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think some of the women think that that's who they've got to be. And by the way, they probably have to be that way to exist yeah. in a male-dominated business world. Mm. However, if the males have any nows, drop your egos and start to let that nurturing, caring, loving flavour of femininity, let it flourish. But if you create space away from the mind, then spirit and heart can speak. Mm. Now, they are the authentic version of self, not the illusion of mind. Mm. But at the same time, giving me an opportunity to discover the beauty of emptiness, Mm. the incredible peace and calm that comes with it. Not until recently, I had to ask myself, but where is love in that emptiness? Buddhism would say, don't be attached to anything, including love. And then I started this podcast. Mm. And that buddy Chad Foreman, episode 33 or 34 of A Journey with Bernie, the guy who became a Buddhist monk, said something that was just a beautiful breakthrough phrase. Mm -hmm. A phrase of four or five words that can shift a life. And he says, love is the fragrance of emptiness. Hmm. Become empty and you will smell its odor. Wow. Well, dear people, you've just joined yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie that has some very, very big news. Can you believe it? After one year and approximately three months, A Journey with Bernie has attracted the interest of 50 countries. Our listening audience of around about 6,000 people per episode is now coming from 50 countries all around the globe. And what makes me laugh is that the last one that Transistor, our podcast distribution platform, informed us about is Alaska. I thought that was a state of America. Anyway, we're even reaching someone in Alaska, and I thank you for your patronage. The other good news is, folks, this is episode 47. I think it's a bit of a milestone in a period of a year and three months. First up, for us to be approaching 50 podcasts, I'm absolutely delighted with that. And I'm also thankful to you because many of you have become subscribers and followers. But I'm letting you know we need many more of you. It's just for the substantiation and the growth of the podcast. We need you to press that subscriber or follower button because in doing that, it elevates us to prospective other listeners. Please become a subscriber and a follower to A Journey with Bernie. And this particular episode is not going to let you down. It's different 
I always say it's different, but this one has a very peculiar difference. Chris Anderson was my guest, episode number 20, but he also runs his own podcast called Ando and Co. Don't miss it. It's a ripper. I met Chris Anderson because he's a facilitator of bringing community together once a month on the first Friday of each month down at a local Fortitude Valley uh, hotel, only for a couple of hours for a meetup group called Beer with Mates. And that's where I first met Ando. And I tell you what, what a terrific guy he is. Learn all about him in episode 20. But he's invited the Burnster, that's me to be his guest on his podcast. And that's what this is all about. And I tell you what, I just cannot believe how many different topics we covered in the space of approximately an hour. Consider this. You're going to learn about the value of the question, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? What a double-edged question that is. Think about that for a moment. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? You're going to learn how important it is to focus on activity that is a true extension of who you are, that is a reflection of your values and your vision. How to turn your past to irrelevancy. Gee, I got that word right. It came out just as I hoped it would. By changing the meaning of the past. And what about managing monkey mind? That's also addressed in this particular podcast. And beautifully, we talk about the role of women in corporations and commercial life and their capacity to bring love and connection to those operations. Oh, I also like the fact that we touched on men and their feminine energy. All of this is part of the podcast to come. It covers so many topics. Now, the other big news is we're introducing a new segment. We want to we want to elevate the podcast so that it has difference than anything else that you're tending to hear in the podcast world. That's why we've called upon the chip stuff. Lachlan Hardy, chip our editor and producer now brings to you Chip's Loaded Questions. That is, twice during any podcast, you're going to hear Chip come into the podcast and just ask you a question or two on what you're learning about the discussion that you've just heard. We expect this to elevate your thinking, to identify what actions and strategies that you need to take in order to be a more beautiful, loving human being and to generate your sustainable, that's the key word, folks, sustainable in a happiness. Chip's loaded questions. You're going to hear it for the first time in this podcast. Gee, folks, I hope you really, really enjoy it. You know, I'm very, very thankful for you being one of our sustainable listeners. Please sit back, put on the headphones, put on the earpods and enjoy episode number 47, Bernie on the Couch with Chris Anderson. Please enjoy A Journey with Bernie. G'day, my name's Chris Anderson and welcome to the Ando & Co podcast. Today we have a really exciting development where I'm sitting down with Bernie Kelly who actually runs his own podcast, A Journey with Bernie. And um, I've actually been a, a guest on his podcast, which is a hell of a lot of fun, a couple of months ago. Um, he's uh, He's been doing it for quite a while now. He's a really interesting guy. We met through Beers with Mates. He works as a coach in a couple of different functions. He works with businesses. He takes people on retreats overseas through hiking. Um, and we've got a whole lot which we're going to jump into before today. But uh, look, just before we start, Bernie. Yeah. What can you tell me about yourself? Oh, mate, big loaded. Big question there, mate. Hey? Okay, what can I tell you about myself? Well, um, right now, uh, at 64 years of age, what defines me? Uh, just love of life, mate. Um, but how do I express that is another, another question. And I express that by taking people to Nepal. I've got a love for the Himalayas, a love for trekking and hiking. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Everest Base Camp is firmly on our agenda very, very often, probably about two or three times a year. 
But if you gave me a trek on the west coast of Italy, I think I'd grab that one. Um, or treks in Tasmania, the, uh, the Three Capes Walk. Um, what a beauty that is. Did that recently. Um, but apart from that, uh, coaching uh, people, coaching companies, and what am I coaching them about? Finding purpose, for living values, bringing behaviours that actually help people to work together, to serve customers more effectively, to connect with customers, stop just selling them a product, uh, sort of like Im- impact their hearts, um, create relationship, create connection. And this has been my journey, Chris, for a long, long time. Someone once asked me, what would I do if I knew I could not fail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because it's a, it's a loaded question because it's really asking you uh, what's holding you back, you know, what fears um, are stopping you from doing what you'd love to do. And I remember t- I answered to myself, I would build a university of self-esteem enhancement for young Australians. Right. And Chris, that's where I started many, many, many years ago. Uh, The concept was called the Australian Youth Development Program. Mm -hmm. It eventually became something a little bit more modern rather than an acronym, and we called it Mm YLEAD. And we brought leadership programs to schools right throughout the country. And so when you were a young buck and you did your grade 11 leadership program, there was a possibility that Bernie Kelly or a John Slattery or YLEAD mm-hmm. was involved in delivering that one-day one day program. But over time, I got a bit tired of uh, just giving kids a great day to open up their eyes mm-hmm. and to see more and then nothing more. So what does one do? You have to create the stage two. Stage two was then inviting them, why don't you come to Africa with us? And uh, what do we do in Africa? Let's climb Kilimanjaro, you know. Um, hopefully without ego, I've climbed that mountain 15 times, but mainly on the back of taking young people to the summit Mm -hmm. uh, together with my African guides. And then, of course, why go to Africa and not serve with communities? And boy, we did some special things in in Africa. Uh, Kybera might be known to some of our listeners here, but it's the great slum of Nairobi. Well, we started to get involved with the, uh, the kids uh, that were in the slum and uh, visiting their homes, forming choirs with them. We even did remakes of We Are The World. Remember the We Are The World, mm-hmm. We Are The Children. And uh, to finish up in a Nairobi recording studio with 50 kids from Kybera and 50 young Australians from all over the country. Gee, that was, that was special, special moments. Um, four primary schools at the foot of Kilimanjaro, we decided for many, many years we'd provide them with an athletics carnival. Mm-hmm. So we became the coaches in the days leading up to the athletics carnival. And then on the Saturday, we would deliver the carnival, you know, with all the white line markings and all the flags up, etc., etc. became so popular that about 2,000 people from the township of Moshi used to turn up just to watch the carnival. They had nothing to do with the kids. <laughs> and uh, just terrific, terrific. Terrific uh, events, and you can imagine the experience and the effect on our young people, our young Australians. Some of them are as young as 14, 15 years of age. Mm-hmm. So, what should you hear? A coaching life, but I think right now, coaching to me is a, a love of sharing, it's a, uh, a love of accumulated wisdoms that could be egotistical to think that I've got wisdoms Um, but sharing those learnings with people and in my 60s mate still loving it still enjoying it awesome and so a whole lot of different experiences a lot of shared experience with people I go for a walk every morning just as part of my process what does it mean when people go on a walk together on a hike? How is it that that changes the experience for them? Oh, geez, mate. Yeah, look, see, it, it depends upon who they are. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a very recent story. Like, this only happened to me in April. Mm-hmm. For me, if I'm with the right person, then as we're trekking to an Everest base camp mm-hmm. between... Pangbo Shay and Dingbo Shay, and we've got Sagamartha, Mother Goddess, in the distance. 
another couple of 8,000 metre peaks looking down upon us. What does it mean for me? It means to hold back from the group. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm not going to miss the opportunity to absorb the environment that's around me. And as I walk now with right people, we can become aware that we are in the presence of a hundred million years of geography mm-hmm. that's around us. And we are, I don't know how many people walk that trek every year, but we're amongst maybe the hundreds of thousands that have done that. Mm-hmm. We could have been walking, Chris, where dinosaurs once walked, mm. you know. What am I trying to say? The, the, uh, uh, I, I sometimes feel on that trek so small because of the awesomeness that's around me. Mm. And yet, if I feel the connectedness with it, I can also feel in such grandeur mm. at the same time. So when you ask me, what is the experience? It depends upon who you are. Mm-hmm. In the trips that I take, I attempt to make people aware of the environment that they're in. And I do that through the prior education that we supply in Kathmandu um, before we go on the Mighty Treks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the facilitation and the environment that we supply as we're trekking um, uh, along the eight to ten villages on that mighty trail to, to Everest Base Camp. However, what do I think is most people's experience? Chris, they're so dedicated to the destination. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've got to make the summit. Mm-hmm. What? At what expense? The journey? <laughs> the absorption of what's around you? Mm. And so even on a daily basis, they're motivated by the, the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so I laugh privately, internally, when so many people pass me with their heads down and their walking sticks way out in front and they are expending a lot of energy because they've got to make it. I get all that. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I I understand that. That's one end of the spectrum for people. It's achievement orientated. It's outcome orientated. And for others, it's part of the process. The process is the experience. Mm. Not the outcome. The outcome, interesting enough, normally happens as a result of you focusing on the process. On the way home, after they've achieved the outcome, there is a much more greater awareness of what was around them because they don't have the distraction mm-hmm. of the outcome, the destination. Yeah. I remember quite fondly um, doing Machu Picchu and we actually didn't do the Machu Picchu trek because there was 10 of us and really most of the trip was a party and then we were going to do a walk in the middle. And so we did another thing, which meant that we sort of walked around and then eventually ended up at Machu Picchu. And once we got to Machu Picchu, we got up there and we sort of got our photos and the mist was rising and it, it all sort of opened up. And I just remember being up there thinking to myself, I can't, I can't leave. Yeah. I've, I've got to just chill out here for a bit. Yeah. I think in some ways over time, you've been able to set up your life to really just slow down and enjoy it more. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the question then becomes like, like how did that evolve? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I, I would hope that for most people it evolves with the, um, with the, the aging of years you'd, you'd hope that we would see more <laughs> as we as we get older and we learn from the experiences of life you know for me one of the 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 greatest forces that impacted a reevaluation of the pace of life for me was 6 years ago um, and it, it was sadness it, it was separation and divorce and It's not actually divorce that was the force. It was the pain and the chaos that comes with 
such a, a, a deathly experience. I use the word deathly there because something dies. Mm. You know, a marriage um, dilutes, uh, it, it disintegrates. Um, the concept of, of family as we, as we once knew it um, dilutes. So no doubt about it, uh, the pain and the chaos is very, very real, creating this reflection and reevaluation of, oh my God, how did all this happen? Mm-hmm. And, and, and out of it, if you're still dedicated to life, if you still want to maximize your life, you've got to then work out a way to overcome the pain and the chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, only one thing arose, and that is love is all there is. Mm-hmm. The rest is window dressing. And people, people often hear that from me, and I, I think it's my fear that their interpretation of that is, well, what does that mean for your work? Mm-hmm. Well, no, it, it, it actually means that your purpose of life is to be love, but bring that more into your existence on every moment including your work. Mm. And if your work doesn't allow you to be that because you're actually doing something that you don't want to do, then humbly, politely, I would say, reflect and reevaluate and reconsider and go get something that is an extension of yourself. Mm. Now, what's all that got to do with the pace of life? Well, when you're in the mode of choosing love as a purpose... I don't know, it's just hard to be chaotic and, and panicky and, and moving so fast and love. <laughs> Can we unpack that just a little bit? So six, seven years ago, six year, yeah, yeah. you have a marriage breakup, you realize that there's pain and chaos, you decide that you want to shift towards love. Obviously, there was a process. What, what actually changed in the last six or seven years, which has allowed you every day to focus on love well well, I'll, I'll tell you the story I, I remember driving um on the sunshine coast I, I got a feeling this is 14 months after um separation divorce mm-hmm. so I, i'm in I'm, but i'm still in the pain mm. still feeling it you know over time it dilutes mm-hmm. yeah um, it becomes so unbearable at the start that it actually created a, a body breakdown. I remember getting shingles. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been a fit, healthy person all my life, so that was a bit of a surprise to see the body respond that way. But 14 months later, I'm still feeling it to some degree. Mm. And I must have been having an ordinary day, and it's it, with a smile on my face, it's funny how... When people have ordinary days and they're struggling, uh, we often look to the heavens. Mm-hmm. And I looked to the heavens and I said, God, help me, please. <laughs> and back, I still remember it, back came, it's not a voice, just something in the back of my head that went, eh, eh. wrong question, Bernie. Mm. And I just said to that little voice, yeah, 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 I know you're right. I don't even have to ask the question. I know you're right. And the mind said, woe is you. Stop feeling bloody pity for yourself and get out there and do what you're meant to do. Mm. Get out there and do the best of you and be the best of you. Well, I hope you'll excuse my butting in, dear listeners, but it's Chip Huddy here. And as promised, it's time to load up with this episode's first and the very first ever of Chip's Loaded Questions. Guys, look yourselves in the eye and ask yourselves, am I able to bring the best of me each and every day? And if your answer is no, first of all, well done for the unflinching self-awareness. But what's holding you back? What would you have to do? What changes would you have to make so that the best of you can turn up and will turn up each and every day? You know what occurred to me as I was listening to that? Am I even sure what the best version of Chip looks like? How does he speak? What does he do? What does he say to those around him? Tell you what, I think I've got some reflecting to do. Secondly, 
And I think this is really important. Some people in those circumstances can decide that they are now victims. Woe is me and, and uh, geez, life can never be the same. Um, this is going to affect me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I somehow decided and reached a conclusion that the separation and divorce, hey, it's just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Now, it's in, you just listen to that, those words. Just part of the journey means I don't have to carry the, the potency and the pain of, of, of what happened six years ago. I don't have to carry that into today. Mm. It's part of the journey. Mm. I'm not going to give meaning to it such that it affects who I am today. And so I'm going to wake up today and say, that's in the past. And this makes a lot of my past irre- irrelevant. Mm. And I mean that mm. because I can't control what happened then. Yeah. The mistakes that I've made, uh, the sins that I've committed, all the stuff that I've done that I shouldn't have done, guess what, Chris? It's all over, Red Rover. Mm. It's in the past. All I can do is learn from all of that, bring those learnings, which are very positive, into today mm. and be the best possible Bernie that I can be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I dedicate. So, so my point is, you've still got to decide, irrespective of the hardship of these events that sometimes impact our lives, you've still got to decide that you want to maximize your life. Mm-hmm. And if you're committed to maximizing, you've got to find solutions to overcome the pain and the chaos. I did. Mm-hmm. And it just said clearly to me, love is all there is. Mm-hmm. Rest is window dressing. I hope you don't mind me just adding to that is, I then, I, I then wanted to seek proof that love is all there is. There's proof all around us. Mm-hmm. Just go and visit your grandfather and your grandmother nine times out of ten. The elderly won't be talking about their 30 years working with Australia Post or Telstra. Mm-hmm. They won't be talking about the time they scored a try against the Southport School. Mm-hmm. They won't be talking about the hundred they got in A-grade cricket all those years ago. What they'll talk about when they're 70s and their 80s is the love that they inspired, the love that they created, the love that they manufactured, predominantly through love of family. Mm. You know? And so I, I look at that and I go, if that's going to be the outcome, then Bernie, why not be it now? In fact, I'll go one step further. Why not teach our 20-year-olds? <laughs> why not teach our school kids that this love for people and love for life can actually be a hard-edged journey purpose? Hmm. That's what I decided, and that's the way I, I choose to live now. Now, I know this is sounding, you know, high-level spiritual stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it, it's available. Yeah. But you've got to go on the journey, yeah. and you've got to do the work. <coughs> and if, if our listeners out there say, well, how do you, where do you start the journey and the work? Well, here's one for you, right? Do what you did. Read a book a month. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many books out there. When we talk about a book, we're talking about an author and all of his or her wisdoms. Yeah. Tap into that. Secondly, why not a Vipassana retreat? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the 10-day silent retreat where you're going to be taken through the same meditative process that Buddha went through 2,000 years ago. Hmm. There's got to be something in there to learn. Yeah. Now, there's so many things out there, Chris. Your beer with mates, mate. This is what people don't realize. That is an opportunity to go to beer with mates and actually practice embracing all sorts of different people and some that you naturally connect with and some that you don't. But how about you actually go there with so much love and desire to connect that you can actually learn a way to connect with with all yeah, yeah. out there. And by, some won't want to connect with you. Is that okay? Of course it is. Welcome to humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to dedicate myself to working out ways to connect, give it the best crack. Welcome to humanity if they don't. I love seeing everybody as my brother and my sister. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I think the the good thing about when it when it's great having friendships and I, partly for me with beers with mates I meet a lot of people and I've definitely on a search for more friends yeah. um, I'd never would like to shut the gate on having enough friends yeah. I'd always like to keep meeting people because new people will bring new learnings and new experiences yeah. it's 
it's really interesting for read a book, but if you sit down with a person, they'll yeah. give you the book. Yeah. And you have the experience. Oh, what a lovely phrase that is. Going to steal that one. <laughs> yeah. But they'll they'll give you the story, but they'll give you the the presence of that person as well. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think the real benefit that you have if you're someone who likes hanging out with people or if you don't realise that you might be someone who you learn from you like hanging out with people. Every person you meet teaches you something. Absolutely. But you gotta be in the right state to receive that. Yeah. But I think yeah. the the in in working through the process of sort of almost like teaching people how to become better at turning strangers into friends, I believe that someone wants to your goal is to help someone have such a great experience that they just want to be able to have that experience again with you. Yeah. And the best way that you can set yourself up for them to have a great experience. I do it through story, but I'll, I'll, I, my goal in meeting anyone new, and I've got to do this over and over again at Beers With Mates, is it's not my job to impress them with my story. like that, mate. Love that. It's, it is my job. Love that. It is my job to help them tell a really good story. Yeah. And if they tell a really good story with me, they feel confident. Yeah. And that rubs off on me. Yeah. That they think it's me. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah. It's them. Yeah. It's them feeling good. Yeah. But I'll just set up an environment where my goal is to listen. Yeah. And that's my goal in a podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I think the the real benefit in getting the chance to hang out with people yeah. is that you get to show each other the best of each each you each other you get to show each other the best of yourself yeah yeah and so and the great thing about a conversation is it's a give and take yeah one person does it for one person at some point it gets turned around on the other yeah speaking of being a father can we talk a little bit about your upcoming book Wow. Okay. Jeez. Now that could still be six months away. Okay. Okay. No, you don't, and you don't need to talk too much. Yeah. But it's just something exciting in in relation to that being a father. Well, I, I I think the only thing that I can I can say about the book right now is that the process of its story uh, I think is intriguing. Um, just imagine an 18-year-old boy. He's at a coffee shop waiting for the arrival of his mother and the occasion is his 18th birthday. And when she arrives, she has the strangest gift for him and she pulls out an envelope from her, uh, her bag and she slides it across the table. He thinks it's money, of course, mm -hmm. 18, more money than when you, you get when you're 17. Um, so he... Uh, he excitedly opens it up to find that it's a letter from his father who passed away nine months earlier. Mm -hmm. And let's just say the rest of the book then is nine chapters that cover his lifespan between 18 and 33. Mm -hmm. uh, eight more events in his life that are milestone events. They are great uh, learning events. For example, the young man runs the New York Marathon. Mm -hmm. And he meets Raphael, the Portuguese runner. And uh, at the starting line of the New York Marathon, and uh, Raphael says, um, listening to your conversation, young man, follow me. He says, I can get you home in under three hours. And, mm. uh, and so the young man decides to follow Raphael, but he loses him. And when he does three hours and 16 minutes and finishes up in Grand Central Park, uh, absolutely exhausted, having hit the wall, two feet arrive um, to the vision of his head that is in his hands. And he looks up and it's Raphael. Mm -hmm. And Raphael um, has a conversation with him that ends in this strange Portuguese runner. How did he get a letter? From his father mm. <laughs> and let me just say Chris just to end it you got to go to chapter 9 to discover how did all these people come to have letters from this young man's father 
And every one of those letters collectively is the story of a journey of development and involvement for a young man between the age of 18 and 33 to maximise his life and ironically prepare himself beautifully for the game of marriage. Well, dear people, you might consider this an interruption to the podcast. Not so. It is a glorious invitation, an invitation for you to join me and many, many others on that mighty trail to Everest Base Camp in Nepal, or maybe you'd prefer to do Gokyo Lakes. Yes, you've got two choices there, and both of them will not let you down. Why? Because you'll be walking under the shadow of the most powerful forces of nature upon our planet. But you're also trekking and hiking with the beautiful Sherpa, who are our guides. Are they the most peaceful tribe of people upon the planet? I think so. And they're beautifully founded in the spirit of Buddhism. Just imagine it. Nature, Himalaya, powerful forces, Sherpaism, Buddhism, all infecting and invading your soul. I'm letting you know now, dear people, you come on the mighty trek that's leaving Australia or entering Nepal on April the 3rd or 4th, 2024, and you cannot return to your home base, your country, the same person as the one who left. It is simply that powerful. Would you love to join us? Here's all you have to do. I want you to take note of this particular number. Now get a pen. I'm going to delay for a second. Three seconds I delayed for. Plus six one. Four one two. Nine eight two. Four four four. Now, you text me and say that you're interested, and within 48 hours, I'll have delivered back to you a comprehensive information kit that gives you all the information that you will need to make an informed decision about joining us and the globe on a mighty trek to Everest Base Camp. And please remember that preceding that trek, we're also going to spend two beautiful days with 550 disabled children in Kathmandu. Yes, We built them a brand new school following the earthquakes of 2015, which shattered their classrooms. And and, and I, I, I hesitate to say this, but thankfully they did because the new school that they've got has been a a new energy for this beautiful community called Kagandra. Dear people, come to Nepal with us where I promise you that your spirit to become that more loving human being generate greater inner happiness it will be enhanced hey let's go back to this episode of a journey with bernie are you enjoying it and i guess we spoke a little bit earlier about the the wisdom that you learn along the journey but if you were able to cut out a few years to to save the time of learning what are some of the key things that you'd be looking to teach a, a young person? Well, mate, I, if it's not happening now in our schools, and I think it is to some degree, I'm just not quite sure about its quality. People have got to learn that they're separate from thought. Mm. You know, anybody listening to this right now, just just contemplate how much do your thoughts, your feelings, your mind interrupt your day and also interrupt the the progressive acceleration of your life and they interrupt with thoughts of uncertainty and doubt and sometimes fear and there's a whole life out there that people aren't living because the mind which is only the accumulation of your past experiences Mm -hmm. what else can it be um the memory and the and the data that you have is only based upon the years that you've been upon the planet. Okay, there might be some evolutionary karma or genetic karma. We understand that, but ninety percent plus is just based upon your experiences, mm-hmm. and we listen to it. We're not separate from it. We don't realise that the mind is an organ. <laughs> of the of the body and the way it plays out is to keep us um, playing the game of life 
but the game of life that is presented to us is society's paradigms of success and we won't go into that but that too is an evolutionary journey which we don't have to buy into mm-hmm. but we can modify our existence in this life not to play that game of having to get best results at school so that you can get the best degree at university, which is going to get you a six-figure job. And uh, aren't you going to be pleased then when you can build your money empire, find the girl of your dreams or the husband of your dreams um, or the partner of your dreams, um, then buy a million-dollar property, be in debt, and then three cars, three kids, and be absolutely stressed out of your brain by 40. Mm. And, you know, I... I've repeated that a hundred times, and I reckon 95 times people said, yeah, that's what happens, you know? Well, you know, I'm just saying, if we actually learned at an early age to manage the mind, even purify it so that it doesn't, it doesn't drive us down that pathway um, of, of, of endless to and froing, where can I find my next pleasure from? Um, oh, I found it with beer with mates, had a great night. What about tomorrow night? Mm. Um, if we can start to separate ourselves from thoughts and mind, we might just discover that the spirit of the individual is already blessed with joy. Do you We're, think a lot of that really just comes with learning how to be on your own? With your own thoughts? No, I think you've got to work on it, Chris. Yeah. I do think you've got to do the work. Yeah. You know, know, the word meditation can represent spooksville for people, but it's not that at all. It's just being able to go through a process which allows you as a person to be separate from your thoughts and create space. You say, I think that's what you, you've got a smile yeah, yeah. on your face now. I think that's what you meant by being, being alone. But if you create space away from the mind, then spirit and heart can speak. Mm. Now, they are the authentic version of self, not the illusion of mind. Mm. You know, mind creates an identity of self which we buy into and that's who we are on a daily basis Mm. but who we are on a daily basis is this societal manufactured programmed and conditioned to think one way about the pathway of life so so but when we are heart and spirit that's not affected by mind and we can become that beautiful spirit love that's already inside of us mate we just get interrupted day after day after day by monkey mind i wonder if it's the male mind more so than women i've I've got no idea as you'd like to say i'm making this up but um i wonder if it's the male mind which often leads with logic and can't and can't make decisions with heart or feeling and it's something that you need to learn I'm an instinctive person, so my instinct says, I think you're on the money. Mm-hmm. You know, women are just, so many women are just great at being loved. It's, it's like their, their, their instinct. It's, it's, it's who they are. That's why they nurture and they, they care. Which, by the way, is also why they've got a role in business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they can be the definitive team builders. Mm-hmm. They can be the connectors, mm-hmm. provided we don't ask them to play the male egotistical creator of empires. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think some of the women think that that's who they've got to be. And by the way, they probably have to be that way to exist yeah. in a male-dominated business world. Mm. However... If the males have any nows, drop your egos and start to let that nurturing, caring, loving flavour of femininity, let it flourish. And I just want to say, this does not mean that that men aren't capable of being that too. Mm. Um, I know know lots of guys who've got great feminine energy. Mm. And I'll tell you what, but they can also be the Mufasa. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, blessings to those guys who have done the work or or somehow they were born that way 
and um, and and they can express both their maleness and their emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Emotional intelligence is something that doesn't get as mentioned as much now, but it was a buzzword about a decade ago. Yeah, yeah, you're you're spot on. But let's just say it's just the... uh, In my... In my thought right now, emotional intelligence is space for the heart to speak. I love that. Space for the heart to speak. Heart can't speak if mind is dominating. Yeah, yeah. And the heart will bring and present authenticity. Mm. It'll present realness. And here's another interesting thing. Authenticity is potent, Chris. Yeah. That beautiful book that we were talking about before the courage to be disliked well the title means do you have the courage to be so real so authentic that guess what some people won't be able to handle it Mm. but beautifully if you are that authentic and you actually start to feel that someone is struggling with your presence you also have the empathy to dilute Mm. Uh uh-huh but I, I just know that as a coach now, I'm far more authentic and real than I've ever been before, mm. and it penetrates deeper. Well, I also believe when you've gone through those battles of things that didn't go well, you had to, you had to become stronger. Only if you're still in the business of maximizing your life, otherwise you become a victim uh, to okay. it. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't even see that as a... As an option, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's because of who you are. Yeah. Because you're you're connected. But I know people that have been through um, pain and chaos and events. And guess what? They're the victim, and they're into retribution, and they're into revenge. Yeah. yeah. What a sh- I was going to say shit of a way to live. Am I allowed to say that in this of course, podcast? Yeah. Mate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a what a crap way of living. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the at the end of the day, though, if you if you lead, if something like that, that happens when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, wherever, if that taints the rest of your life, it wasn't just that it was a bad period when you went through it. You've made it wreck the rest of your life. Yeah. Somehow, you, somehow you need to realize that there's, there's more. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... Uh... And learn to let go of it too. You know that that concept that I've bought into. I mean this, and I know a lot of people. I, the psychologists out here, I probably get phone calls from them now. You know, saying, "How dare I say it on in a public global forum?" Past is irrelevant. Yeah. Courage to be disliked. The two Japanese authors. That's what they speak about. Past is irrelevant. Um, Courage to be disliked is about Adlerian psychology, and I think that Adler was working with Freud and uh, and Jung. I think that's correct, and um, he he did he he didn't want to agree with you know Freud and Jung that you had to dig up your past and and assess it and reevaluate it you know etc. He just wanted to say, why can't we just simply give a different meaning? To what we've given to past events uh-huh. and let's just say the meaning is hey it happened in the past and it's just all part of my journey yeah nothing more yeah, yeah. nothing more yeah. well you don't bring it then into today mm. and it means you can wake up today with joy yeah yeah <laughs> mm, has that got you thinking listeners because it's got me thinking about another loaded Question. This one could be uncomfortable, but that's what makes it worthwhile. What's something in your past that's still holding you back? What are you hanging on to that you need to let go? What's the event or experience in your past that you know you need to reframe as just a part of the journey? Speaking for myself, I could probably let my little man syndrome go, but who knows what Bernie would make fun of me for then. Here's another thought for you, Chris. This one works for me. I think the Dalai Lama once said, and I can't quote the book, but, oh, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Book of Joy. Oh, oh the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu came together to co, co, not co-write, 
but uh, co-inspire a book that was written by Douglas Abrams, The Book of Joy. And in that book, the Dalai Lama says, we are all given one of the great gifts which we rarely use. Mm-hmm. And when asked by Desmond Tutu, what is that gift? He said, it's the gift of perspective. Mm. He said, so often we, we live in, a, in an issue. We're going through a lot of pain um, right now and we're stuck in it and it's crippling us right now. But it's only because we don't separate ourselves from the issue and stand from afar and look upon it in the perspective of time mm. because we would realize that in the perspective of time, that current issue is likely to dissolve itself. Mm. And when you see that it's, it, 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 it's, it, this time will pass and you understand that it will, it starts to dilute. The pain and the chaos can start to just disintegrate a little quicker. Here's my perspective on it. When I consider that the Earth is 4.54 billion years old, scientists say, and we homo sapiens have been upon this planet for 250 million years. And I know I've repeated this before in other podcasts, but if the Earth was considered to have been here for just one year, Chris, we've been here for 12 minutes. Mm. 12 friggin' minutes. Mm. We want to take ourselves so seriously in mm-hmm. the perspective of time. And here's another semi-truth. But I reckon three years after I die, I'm wondering who's going to remember my name apart mm. from my children. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'm a grain of sand upon the beach. Yeah. But I tell you what I also am, mate. I'm also the beach. Mm. I'm a drop in the ocean. Well, I'm only a drop, mate. Mm. But I'm also the ocean. And so what does that mean? Don't take myself so seriously because I'm a drop in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm just a grain of sand upon the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm just a pebble on Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. But equally, what brings great meaning to my life is that I'm connected mm. with the ocean. Mm. I'm connected with the beach. I'm connected with the Everest. And I apologize, I shouldn't be saying I'm connected. We all are, man. Mm. I mean, you don't have to be Einstein to work out that with 108 billion people upon the earth, if you go back in lineages, we're all going to come across each other at some stage, Mm. mate. You and I are brothers, mate. Yeah. We're relatives. Yeah. I just don't know when (laughs) we crossed over. (laughs) But somewhere we are. So I just look upon, you know, you, uh, my neighbours, neighbours beside me. Hi, Deb. Hi, Noel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my son, beautiful Francis, uh, great people that were, you know, were and are in my life, people that I meet with beer with mates, mm-hmm. you know, we're all connected, mate. How, if, if people are hearing this and they're somehow feeling like they're not connected, do you... Do you have an idea of a few steps to help you better connect? It's a great question. And now I've got to go into the, yeah, where did, where did I, I start? I, well, I, I remember, here's a thought. I remember thinking to myself as I'm trying to recover from the pain and the chaos of the broken marriage, mm-hmm. right? I thought to myself, where do I start this 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 living of life and maximizing life again. And I had in the back of my mind, oh, I heard of this thing called meditation. I actually believe it works, but I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what will I do? Well, throw yourself into it. So I didn't know that the 10-day Vipassana retreat was something really, really serious. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I said to my two kids, Dad's going to do the Vipassana retreat, they laughed at me because there's no way in the world they thought Dad could be silent. Well, I tell you now, the silent for 10 days was not the issue, mate. But the six one-hour meditation periods each day and the, and, the, and the effort and the strain on the mind according to the processes they were teaching... It was strangling, mm. strangling the, the, the hurt and the pain out of me, but at the same time giving me an opportunity to discover the beauty of emptiness, mm. the incredible peace and calm that comes with emptiness. And not until recently I had to ask myself, but where is love in that emptiness? 
Buddhism would say, don't be attached to anything, including love. And then I started this podcast. Mm. And that buddy Chad Foreman, episode 33 or 34 of A Journey with Bernie, the guy who became a Buddhist monk, said something that was just a beautiful breakthrough phrase. Mm -hmm. A phrase of four or five words that can shift a life. And he says, love is the fragrance of emptiness. Hmm. Become empty and you will smell its odor. Wow. Well, mate, that's how I went. I yeah. went, wow. Hey, but the answer to your question, what I hope people are hearing is follow your instinct. If your instinct says, like it said to me, well, meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, instinct said, go to nature. Mm-hmm. Ramp up Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, spend more time in the Himalayas. But, mate, I've got Bhutan in the back of my mind. I've got two global treks a year um, in, in for the next 12 years of my life that's that's calling me. And I, I wonder, I wonder just how much power you bring now as a result of having gone through everything that you've been through. Oh, mate, uh, I've never been a better coach than I am now. Yeah. Um, I've never been a better person than I am now. Yeah. And that brings a smile on my face because there would be some people listening to this who would question that. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. Oh, better fine. better for you, not necessarily better for them. Well, well, they don't understand everything, you know. And the one thing I've learned is that everything is an interpretation. Mm. You know, everyone's we're we're all a victim to our past experiences. Um molding us and conditioning us and mm. programming us to see the world that we see today. Mm. But every one of those past experiences, you and I could have the same past experience, but you could interpret it differently than Absolutely. what I do. Yeah. Which one's the truth, Chris? Yeah. And then the the benefit that we have is that you can go back and reinterpret it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or just leave it in the past Yeah, and say... As a result of my journey so far, the best I can do is to say, love is all there is. Mm. The rest is window dressing. But the rest, whatever I do, can I bring love into it? Mm. Like when I meet the young lady or the young man who's making me a cup of coffee, can I not do that with a smile mm. and comment on on on... Uh, the coffee industry, you know, mm. comment on what they're wearing, uh, comment on, geez, you got a beautiful smile. Where did that come from this morning? Mm. You know, and half it now is just impromptu and spontaneity. Yeah, but I get amazed how many times it connects. Mm. I do, I mm. do get amazed. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I uh, <laughs> yeah, um, said something that they just weren't ready to receive. But that also is a lesson in empathy. Well, Bernie, I don't think it's going to get better from here. <laughs> it might. <laughs> We've already recorded plenty, and it's been great. So I'm going to wrap it there. Before well, we've we... been going an hour and seven, mate. Perfect. Well, that's about the right time for me. Um, but, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's always great to get a chance to see you at Beers With Mates, to listen to your podcast, to have been a guest on your podcast. Um, thank you for the opportunity to come and speak to us here. And uh, look, if anyone wants to reach out to you and, and learn more about what you do, how do they do that? Well, they can contact me on 0412-982-444. Maybe someone out there heard this business about going to Nepal and that's a geez, that might be an interesting experience to go away with Bernie and his group Absolutely. Uh, to the Himalayas. Well, that's that number. Can I repeat it again? Of course. 0412 982 Now, the Journey with Bernie podcast, you're, you're fully aware of it, like, like yourself and Ando and Co. And hey, you've got two names for your podcast. Yeah, there was three names. Yeah, there's been three names, but <laughs> got, it's only one now. I've got to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've got Beer with Mates. Yep. Yeah. So like your, your podcast um, on Spotify and Apple and Amazon. Um, and maybe the only other contact is if someone wants to write an email, Bernie, B-E-R-N-I-E, dot Kelly, 
at Outlook.com. Hey, cheers, Chris. It, great that we could reverse the uh, uh, reverse the the jobs. Um, and thank you ever so much for the opportunity to be your guest. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. Take care, pal. Well, dear people, episode 47 is now complete. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Chris Henderson, for reversing the roles, dear man. I loved having you as my guest in episode number 20. But to be on the receiving end of that discussion, we're like, wow, it just reinforces so much of my learnings from previous podcast guests. Plus, this habit that I've got of reading books. Jeez, if you pick the books wisely, they too have so much to teach each and every one of us. Now, there were two books mentioned in this particular podcast, Book of Joy, by Douglas Abrams, A-B-R-A-M-S, must read, about the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, and how to wake up each and every day with sustainable joy invading your spirit. Then there is the book that we've mentioned many, many times, The Courage to Be Disliked, by the two Japanese philosophers. Book of Joy and Courage to Be Disliked, they are mandatory reading, dear people, if you are interested in the journey of love and joy. Now, talking about journeys and talking about learnings, Chip's take-home pay. This will be interesting. He's actually going to decide what I might have taught the chipster. I bet you he plays with it and says he learnt nothing from it. Something like that will happen, dear people. Let's go to the chipster and find out. Chip's take-home pay. What did we learn, Chip? Pleasure to be with you once again this episode, dear listeners. This is Chip's Take Home Pay, where I gather up the finest threads of the podcast we all just listened to and spin a few of my own thoughts into them. So let's get to it. There was a lot to dig into this episode, but let me try to distill it into three major ideas, almost steps you can take uh, to move toward a more loving, fulfilling, connected existence. First of these I'm calling awareness, specifically awareness of the fact that, as Bernie reminded us, we are not our thoughts. Now, like he said, our thoughts are really just a byproduct of a person's life experiences, not the person themselves. Thoughts feel like they're us, but they usually just obscure our authentic selves. Memories trap us in pain about the past. Worries paralyze us in anxiety about the future. The frantic monkey mind distracts us from fully experiencing the present. Do you remember when Bernie told the story of shortly after his separation and divorce and he was so lost in pain and chaos, so lost in his own thoughts that he actually shouted to the heavens for help? And what happened? A small voice in the back of his mind answered him. The voice of his authentic self. The voice that could stand apart from his thoughts. And what did it tell him? To stop wallowing in self-pity. And what is self-pity? Thought. So you can see how once we become aware of the distinction between thought and self, we can then start to separate the self from thought. That's the next big idea of the podcast, friends and neighbors, and the next step toward that loving, fulfilling, connected life, separating self from thought, which sounds mighty daunting, doesn't it? It does to me anyway. Fortunately, great contemplative masters have done the heavy lifting for us, and guess what? They discovered that meditation is really good at separating yourself from your thoughts. Now, look, I know the old meditation drum gets banged quite a bit these days, but there's a reason for that. Okay, it's not woo-woo. It's not new age space cadetship. All meditation is, is training yourself to control your attention. And once you're able to control your attention, you're able to direct it at anything you want. And also direct it away from anything you want. Like the frantic monkey mind. Now what this does is clear out the clutter of the past and of the future. And allow you to simply exist in the present moment, which is an incredibly powerful thing and brings us to our final big idea. Because to exist powerfully and mindfully in the present moment is to make space for deep, authentic connection. Think about what Chris said about the power 
of conversation. It's a give and take. It's a collaboration. It's two people working together to enable each other to show the best of themselves. But as Bernie said, you've got to be in the state of mind to receive that from the other person. And the only way to get into that headspace is to be totally present, to be separate from your thoughts, to be empty of judgments and prejudices and able to meet people where you find them, not where your monkey mind wants them to be. Now, to do all that is to be perfectly connected to yourself, to others, and to the world itself. Now, what's that sound like to you? Because it sounds like love to me. Okay, I'm going to leave it there, folks. It's been beautiful to talk to you. My name's Chip Huddy. This was Chip's take-home pay, and I do hope you found some pay worth taking home. As always, my friends, auf Wiedersehen. Ah, uh, that was gold, dear people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's take-home pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this. <laughs>